0: Then we better, we better get our feast on before we get our fast on. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm so glad to to be with you all today as we're wrapping up uh, our series on seeing 2020. Uh, We've been talking about vision, new vision for our lives, for what God wants to do in our lives, new vision for what God wants to do in our church, Uh, and I'm excited both to to dream those dreams with you and then to put them into action, uh, to live them. So uh, will you pray with me? Scandalously, shockingly merciful God, we want to hear from you. Illuminate this text and our time. Breathe your spirit through your word into us. Help us hear with new ears and see with new eyes so we might live new lives that shine with your glory. Amen. Amen. We have a God of second chances. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We see, we see God bringing a new thing. Uh, for us and for others throughout the story of Scripture. And uh, I'm so glad to get into this famous story that you may know. Probably if anyone knows any story from the book of Acts, maybe even more than Pentecost, um, they know this story about Saul's conversion. While Valerie and I were at Duke, and Gavin was at Duke most of the same time with us, but um, I don't know if you got to know Anne. Um, Valerie and I met an African-American activist named Anne Atwater. And there was a book written about her called The Best of Enemies, and it became a movie last year. It didn't do very well (laughs) at the box office, but it's a wonderful story. Uh, It starred um, Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell uh, in this movie, and they portray Anne Atwater and C.P. Ellis. These two became unlikely allies and friends in Durham, North Carolina in the early 1970s after they had been fighting one another for years and years. In 1971, Durham had these community meetings about the challenge of desegregation in the public schools. There was this huge white flight, sadly, from the schools, and that left both black kids and poor white kids left behind in the schools. And C.P. spoke for a lot of poor white families in in Durham, not least because he was the exalted Cyclops talk about needing vision correction, the exalted cyclops of the KKK. The community meetings, they started with some black leaders saying, "You know, they asked, well, what's the problem with our schools? And the black leader said, well, white racism is the problem with our schools. White supremacy is the problem with our schools. And the, the leader of what was called the Black Solidarity Committee, he, he stood up in his dashiki and, and, and he, said, uh, he said that the problem was white res- racism, and then CP exploded, right? This, this uh, exalted cyclops, he exploded with anger. And he says, no, the problem is, is you, you black folks. And so this, this leader of the Black Solidarity Committee, Howard Clement, he says, right on, Brother Ellis. Right on, Brother Ellis. And of course, the room exploded at this African-American leader. But Clement said spoke truth right then. He said, all you white liberals don't like me either, but at least Ellis has the guts to say it. Right on, brother. That night, CP lay awake trying to figure out how it was that Clement had wanted to shake his hand, that Clement had called him brother in front of all these people. And soon CP, this Klan leader, was asked to co-chair these meetings with Ann discussing desegregation in the schools. We don't like each other," he said, "but we're going to work on this for the sake of both of our kids." And CP came to this first meeting, and he came to the, this community meeting about the schools, he came with a gun. And Ann pulled out her Bible, and she said, "That's your god? This is mine. We'll see which one is stronger." Before long, Ann and CP realized that their stories of poverty and parenting, they shared lots in common, in fact, And they found themselves not only allies, but friends. And CP left the KKK and and experienced a lot of hardship within his own community, uh, as people do when they become bridge builders. You get walked on going in both directions, right? And CP realized, he said, something's happened to me. And I think it's for the best. You know, CP and Anne, they had to find this new vision so that they could work as partners to get justice for all people. They needed to work together for poor people, black people, white people, and yes, even rich people. And I love this, that in 2005, um, right as I was arriving at Duke, Anne gave the the eulogy at CP's funeral uh, 35 years later. God of second chances. How do people come to change the way that they see in such a dramatic way as we see in this passage? So today, as I said, is our last Sunday in this series, Seeing 2020. We're talking about ways that we need God to give us new and healed vision. And we've seen how we need a second touch from Jesus that maybe we've begun to see, but Jesus has to come and, and, and finish the job. We have more to go. We've seen how we need partners uh, like Blind Bartimaeus had another blind beggar with him at the side of the road we need partners who are going to help us to see we've seen how we might last week we talked about how we might practice telling the story the amazing grace story i was blind but now i see about the difference that god has made and is making in your life and in the church today is also transfiguration sunday uh, the last Sunday before Lent. We start Lent on Ash Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday. I hope that you'll be here to be a part of our, our gathering. We, we start in repentance. We start with ashes. Uh, but we know that that's a place to start where God brings life. We, we, we go and maybe we need some pruning. Maybe we need some repentance. Maybe we need some change. Maybe we need some new sight in this time. But we don't do that to, to feel guilty somehow. We do it to feel free to let go of things that are holding us back and to begin to live a new life, a second chance. But so the last Sunday before Lent, before that 40-day journey, uh, is called Transfiguration Sunday. And that's, uh, you know, Lent, like, like Erica said, is 40 days of preparation for Easter Sunday. I'm, I'm so glad this year at Lent, uh, we're gonna take each week and talk about different spiritual practices, those adult devotionals uh, that you all wrote, um, those devotions, uh, th- those devotionals will help guide you at home through these kind of exercises, but we're gonna look during Lent at at different tools that will help us to grow in faith, to grow in new sight, to grow in Christ-likeness. So please take those devotionals home. Uh, Erica said she's putting more out there. Share those Lent in a box things, you can practice those at home, Um, uh, especially for households with kids, or any household really of of five folks, but they're they're mainly oriented for kids, but anybody can do them. I'm, I'm so grateful for those practices that we get to work on this together throughout the week. But so, so today is Transfiguration Sunday. As we get ready for Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, I hope you'll be here at 7 o'clock um, Wednesday night. On Transfiguration Sunday, we remember the disciples Peter, James, and John. They went up the mountain with Jesus, and they see Jesus glorified, right? They get this glimpse, Jesus bright, shining brightly as the sun in all his glory, on the mountaintop alongside Moses and Elijah the law and the prophets and they get a glimpse of who Jesus really is in this moment on the mountaintop and they hear this voice coming like the voice came to Saul and this voice comes to to them on the mountain and says this is my son my chosen one listen to him listen to him and that's a message that they're going to need when they go down the mountain and they're going to Jerusalem to the cross listen to him Now, as they see anew, now they can start to hear anew. Once they've seen Jesus in his shining glory, they can hear in new ways. And they can follow in new ways. New sight changes things. That's what we see here in this well-known story about Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. All that we know up to this point, uh, if we're reading through Acts for the first time, uh, all that we know about Saul is that he's been at the center of the religious authorities' persecution against this new Jewish movement who are, and it is a Jewish movement, who are proclaiming and living that the Messiah has come and has defeated death. Saul's trying to stamp these people out. For the community of Jesus followers, Saul becomes public enemy number one. And conversely, this radical Jesus community, they're public enemy number one to Saul and his people. Acts 8 says that Saul approved of the crowd that stoned Stephen to death. And Saul was working to destroy the church in Jerusalem by putting men and women in prison. And now, in Acts 9, we see that Saul's on the way to do the same thing in Damascus. But on the way, right, Saul gets knocked to the ground, the sky fills up with light, and Saul hears the voice of Jesus, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks the obvious question of this bright light and voice, right? Who are you? <laughs> I didn't know I was persecuting you. Who are you? And the voice answers, I am Jesus, and you are persecuting me. He, Saul gets up, unable to see, and he goes blindly into Damascus. But soon, with the help of God, and this disciple Ananias that we find out about who's living in Damascus, soon, with the help of God, Saul is going to have new sight. Saul's gonna have a new calling, a new direction, a new family, people he calls brother. Enemies will become friends. He even gets a new name as Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. You know, you may or may not have a dramatic conversion story. Like we talked about last week, I hope we all have stories of change, of the ways that God has made a difference in our lives. But you may or may not have a dramatic conversion story. I, I hope as, that we're all learning to tell these stories about how God has been active in our lives. Some account of before and after. As we wrote on our cards, it was awesome to read them. Uh, as you wrote before and after statements on those cards last week. We're talking about the difference that our faith journey has made and continues to make. But I, I don't think you, we all need a one-time dramatic conversion as much as we all need a new way of seeing. We need a new way of seeing. We all need corrective lenses, right? And that's what Saul received. (laughs) A sight for sore eyes. That's what Ananias received too. That's what we need to receive. I hope we are receiving today and as a community as we walk together, we're receiving new eyes, new sight as a gift from God. You know, so talking about conversion, maybe you've never known a time when you didn't consider yourself a Christian, a Jesus follower. Maybe your conversion moment started when you started following Jesus was a long time ago. Maybe you're here, though you aren't sure what to make of this whole Jesus thing. And that's good, too. We're glad you're here. Whatever your beliefs, uh, we have something to learn uh, from each other as we go. But I believe that what, all we, what we all need to be open to is a new course correction, This new way of seeing. And for most of us, like we said, this new sight takes place in stages. Like we saw in Mark chapter 8, Jesus heals this blind man, asked him what he saw. He says, I see people, right? But they look like trees walking. Then Jesus touches him the second time, and he sees everything clearly now. We might have started to see, friends. We need another touch in order to see more clearly. So if conversion is about a new way of seeing, it's a new way of seeing what? Or better, maybe it's a new way of seeing whom. First, I think it's a new way of seeing Jesus. Saul has this disorienting experience, right? He's knocked down with this bright light and strange voice. He doesn't know who it is, but he knows you have to respect whoever's bringing this light and voice. And you call that voice, sir, (laughs) Lord. (laughs) I don't know who you are, but you're bigger than me. You learn new manners when you run into a higher power like this. You don't say hey dude the voice says i'm jesus whom you've been persecuting you aren't just persecuting my people jesus says you've been persecuting me when you threaten and harm my people jesus says you hurt me then suddenly Saul sees he sees he's been on the wrong side of history he's been fighting against the god that he was trying to worship faithfully Conversion means seeing Jesus in this new way, seeing that he's alive, seeing that he's Lord, Master, Sovereign. He's in charge, not me. And he promises this rescue and healing that we call salvation. He's not simply a prophet or a radical freedom fighter, though he is those things too. He defeats this scandalous execution and death intended to erase from history anyone who would oppose, erase from memory anyone who would oppose Caesar and Rome, the empire. In their commentary on Acts, I love this, uh, it's called Call to be Church, uh, two scholars, Anthony Robinson and Robert Wall, they tell this parable that illustrates this conversion as a new way of seeing Jesus, and the parable goes like this. Two ships are practicing maneuvers at sea, and the weather grew bad, and the fog grew thick, and as it grew dark, on this foggy sea, a lookout on the bridge said, light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving, asked the captain. Steady, said the lookout, which meant the other boat was on a collision course with them. The captain said, signal that ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. And a signal came back. Advise you to change course 20 degrees. It's like we're playing chicken or something. The captain said, I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. And the answer came back, I'm a second-class seaman, sir. You had better change course 20 degrees. Now the captain is furious. Send this, he said. I'm a battleship. I'm bigger than you. You change course 20 degrees. And the signal came back, I'm a lighthouse. Now that the captain knew who he was talking to, he changed course. So, first conversion means a new way of seeing Jesus. Second conversion means a new way of seeing yourself. How many of us need that this morning? Saul's whole life, his identity and purpose, was upended on that Damascus road. Peter Hawkins writes that conversion starts with breakdown before you get to breakthrough. Have you experienced that? you got to go through a breakdown, something disorienting, before you can be reoriented in a breakthrough. Saul becomes like a child here. He has to be led by the hand. He fasts for three days. He's humbled. He becomes empty. He becomes ready to be filled, like we will during Lent. Soon he's going to change his name that represents his whole new identity, his life, Conversion means this encounter that forces someone to transcend their self-centeredness, gain a new capacity to see beyond oneself, truly love someone else as they are and not as how we want them to be. Saul's conversion is to a new vocation, this new calling. And that's how conversion always works in the book of Acts. We're converted into a new purpose, a new mission. Saul hears via Ananias as he reports later in Acts chapter 22 and chapter 26 He reports that he's to go from being a witness against the Jesus community to being a witness for Jesus and the good news of his reign. Saul is going to carry the message to all people going beyond just Jews to also include the Gentiles. And we're going to see the continuing expansion of this community throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 26, Saul is recounting this this experience on the Damascus road. And he explains to the king, to King Agrippa, he says, On the Damascus road... Uh, Saul was sent to open others' eyes and turn them from darkness that they would receive forgiveness and a place with Jesus in new light. Saul's converted into this new purpose as he comes to see beyond himself. Finally, Saul, Saul also gets to see himself as not just having a new purpose, but as seeing himself as forgiven, as loved. When Stephen was stoned to death as a martyr, that's the same Greek word as witness, by the way, martyr, Saul was there giving his approval and Stephen echoed Jesus on the cross. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And now Saul sees what it is to receive God's mercy, to receive a second chance through this welcome from Ananias. Conversion is not only about seeing Jesus with new eyes, not only about seeing ourselves with new eyes, conversion is also about seeing others with new eyes. We we learn that Ananias is already this Jesus follower, but he's converted, in, he's converted in this passage too. In fact, Ananias has to be converted before Saul can be. This foreshadows what's about to happen in Acts 10 with Peter and Cornelius, the vision that comes down of all the things that a good Jewish boy like Peter is not supposed to eat. And God says, what I've called clean, you shouldn't call profane. This is, this is a similar, it's a sort of foreshadowing of that moment because We keep seeing it over and over again in the community, in our lives. It's not just a a once-in-a-lifetime moment conversion. It's these ongoing encounters that keep leading us into new sight. So Ananias needs to be converted so that he would learn to see Saul in a new way. He's ready to hear from God. Unlike Saul, Ananias knows who he's talking to when the Lord calls his name in this vision. But understandably, Ananias is really reticent, scared, To follow the orders that he gets from God. And I says, I've heard about this Saul that you're sending me to. He's done violence to our people. Your people. He's coming with authority from none less than the chief priest in Jerusalem. To arrest people like me. People who are calling on your name. But the Lord says, I got this. I said, go. (laughs) So he trusts and obeys and he goes. And the first thing that he does when he sees Saul is place his hands on him so that he might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he calls him what? He calls him brother. He says, brother Saul. Brother Saul. This guy was your sworn mortal enemy, killing and imprisoning your community. But if Saul was going to be converted, was going to gain new sight, take up this new vocation as this apostle to the whole known world, take up a new name as Paul, Ananias had to be converted first. Something like scales fall from his eyes. And he has new corrective lenses. First Ananias had to get new eyesight as well. He had to see Saul as brother. He had to go to him believing in what the Lord wanted to do in and through him. Saul gets up and was baptized, shared at this table with Ananias in what you could call a new communion. He had new strength and purpose that he would go out in Jesus' name. He calls him brother. This guy who'd been trying to wipe out Ananias and his family and the whole community of the way, what they called these early Christ followers. He wasn't the imperial wizard anymore. He was brother, just like Howard Clement and Anne Atwar came to see C.P. Ellis in Durham. Don't we all need these corrective lenses? A new way of seeing, seeing Jesus, seeing ourselves, seeing our vocation, seeing others as family, seeing others as those whom God has forgiven and loved. This kind of new sight, I believe, friends, is an ongoing process, not a once-in-a-lifetime conversion. It starts with this initial encounter with God, a new moment of clarity that destabilizes our self-centeredness, reorders our whole world. But we have to keep having these encounters. That's why we need each other. We have to keep receiving new sight. So, In concluding our series this morning where is it that you need new sight where do we as a community need new sight how might god reorient you and me so that we see jesus anew so we see ourselves and our life calling and purpose anew our gifts anew so we see others in a new light that you could love and forgive and include others as god does how are we learning and practicing together this new way of seeing when was the last time you got new corrective lenses I believe we can help each other these spiritual habits during Lent can help us to practice so that we not only have new vision but we have courage and strength to live that vision out together so who is a person that God wants you to see anew somebody come to mind who is your CP or your Ann depending on which seat you're in, who's your Saul or your Ananias. Maybe you'd seen someone as different or even an adversary. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive or be forgiven by. Maybe you need a change in how you see Jesus. Maybe you need a change in how you see yourself. What practices are going to help you and us hear God's call? See Jesus, others, yourself in a new light. So each week we've written something on the back of your, con- of your contact cards, guest, friend, or member, those pink, yellow, green cards. Um, uh, and this is what I want you to consider today. Who is a person or group of people, a person or a group of people that God might want to redefine how you see them? What might help you to see and hear and go toward that person in a new way? Uh, I hope you have something to write, and, and then everyone has something to put in the offering plate. Uh, in a few minutes. You've generated great ideas on these cards. God is giving us together the vision that we need. And we're going to keep working on how to share and to live that vision. Friends, we've encountered Jesus together. We've received new sight, a new calling, a new identity, a new name, a new community. We see things differently than we used to. Together, as Travis Park, we have a mission. We say we're here to be a community seeking to be disciples of Jesus Christ by practicing sharing God's unconditional love and justice for all. For all. Learning to follow Jesus, that's hard, it takes practice. So it's good that we get to work at it together. We're going to work at it together through Lent. We're going to work at these practices of worship and prayer, study and service, giving, sharing. And we have to do it together. If I could sum up the the vision that, that I have for God's future for us, it's one word. Together. Together. Because I got knocked off my horse, because I saw the light, now I'm together with new people. I'm together with Jesus. I see him anew, together with God's spirit living in and through me. I'm getting my life put back together, seeing healing and recovery and freedom in myself, being on that journey with others. I still don't have it all together, folks. Do you believe it? (laughs) I still don't have it all together, but I'm on the way. I'm becoming more centered, more reconnected. I'm together with people I never would have hung out with before, no offense. <sighs> never would have seen as not, or I would have seen maybe as not my type or even my enemies. I spend t- time together with different people now. I put my resources to use for other people so that we can be together. We're learning to see together. That means we have to be together. We have to eat together and pray together. We have to share about our lives together. We have to play together. We have to work together. We have to study together and sing together. We need to get to know each other more deeply. Be courageous to share our real hurts and hopes and gifts. Together. We're gonna to stand together, rich and poor, gay and straight, every age, every cultural background, we're gonna stand with and we're gonna speak up for those who've been in- invisible and underappreciated throughout our society. The fact that we're together is gonna to show that something's changed in me and in you. That you could hang out with me. <laughs> because I'm, I'm somebody that might have been hard for you to hang out with before too. I can't just go on my own way anymore. That's gonna be a new story people see because of who we are and how we are together. What a radical change this is for Saul, for Ananias, that they find themselves together. That, they would, that Ananias would call Saul brother. That together they'd go and answer God's call and serve and heal and baptize and proclaim God's presence and power right here in our midst. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised, friends. This is the business God's always been in. God continues today as we gather together. So, sisters, brothers, family, do you see it? Let's pray. God, strip the scales from our eyes so we would see you and see ourselves and see each other, see all of creation anew. And seeing, God, would you strengthen us to move in a new way, to live as your people, your body. God, help us share your love and justice in ways that are signs of hope. Signs that are disruptions that only make sense if we've been brought to life by seeing you. Amen.